This is Back to Devi, a show brought to you by Campus Begin. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fan success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V, and this is not my co-host, Corey P, but we actually have Colin D. Oh, CD. Oh, dude, your nickname is CD. Anyway, we have CD, <laughs> the original CD. <laughs> um, look, we're, we're doing an, an OF episode, and you've heard right, only freshmen. That's correct. <laughs> We're doing freshman updates. True freshman, not the redshirt stuff. That's fake. That's fake freshman stuff. It's not my fault. You couldn't touch the field your first semester. That's on you. You're a sophomore then. But freshman, actual freshman. And usually Corey does news, but we won't be doing that. But I do want to get a reaction out of Colin on Quinn Ewers is down. Well, we got expectations for Malik Murphy coming up. Or if you want to go spicy and say Arch Manning, you can do that on the show. He is a true freshman. He is a true freshman. I don't think he sees the field. I think it's going to be Malik yeah. Murphy. Uh, I think this is really going to be a showcase for him of actual game time because, I mean, we've talked about it on our show. I think you guys might have mentioned it at some point too, but it seems like Quinn Ewers is probably going to come back at this point because he hasn't really had the year that everybody thought he was going to have. Uh, so, I mean, I, I would think he's going to come back at this point. And if he does, then Malik Murphy obviously is going to need a transfer. He's not going to sit for three years. So I think this is going to be a showcase for him. Uh, I, I think he has a big arm. I think he's struggled a little bit with some accuracy at times. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how he actually handles live game action. Because he looked good in the spring. Should I expect what we're seeing out of Jalen Milrow? That's like my in college comp form. Like, should I have higher expectations than that, or? Uh, I would have a little bit higher expectations as a passer okay. and a little lower as a rusher. He's not okay. quite the the dynamic athlete that Jalen Milrow is, but I also I do think he is a better passer than than Milrow. They both got big arms, uh, arms that would fit comfortably in a home field apparel shirt. Guys, we have promo code for Home Field Apparel. It's 15% off your first purchase with the code CAMPUS, the number two Canton. If you're a big, muscly guy like Malik Murphy and Jalen Milrow, go ahead and fit those guns into a Home Field Apparel shirt. Wear your favorite collegiate football team or any other sport. It doesn't have to be football, but this is a football podcast. Go ahead and fit into your favorite collegiate football teams, like athletic retro shirt with those big guns. Feel confident. Let those shoulders pop. Let the ladies know that you do arms and only arms. All right, let's get on to the rest of our true freshman here. Um, it's a true freshman show. We got to talk to year one zero theory. Year one zero theory is more of a metric that I think identifies duds more than studs. It really limits that pool down. So I really actually do appreciate it though. I'm going to keep false hope for guys. Um, it's eight thresholds, uh, 10 receptions, 100 receiving yards, five rushing attempts, 15 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown, 10 scrimmage touches, 115 scrimmage yards, and five kick returns. That's it. They're minimal thresholds. It's really just like the whole idea is like this kid is good enough to get on the field, not make an impact, but like good enough to get on the field early, which should be an indicator for future, future success. And if you're looking at the numbers of guys that were not beating these thresholds, we have two that have beaten them, and that's going to be DK Metcalf, Jarvis Landry. Jarvis Landry was stuck behind. It's not coming to the top of my head. I know OBJ was one of them, but it was a, definitely a group of strong receivers, and then DK was hurt. Um, and then we'll have to wait and see. Nico Collins is kind of on his way to beating it for that one. Uh, but for the most part, for top 36 seasons, you have a 3% chance of hitting one of those if you're a year one zero. 
And then if you beat the year one zero thresholds, you have a 17, 18% chance like that. So again, more of a measure to identify the duds. Yeah. And that's, that's exactly right. Like that's exactly how I use it too. I mean, we have so many of these top end freshman wide receivers you have to kind of filter out. Uh, there's always, you know, like 25, 30 ish wide receivers that are at least that are in that top 300 recruits, which is like kind of where that threshold cuts off. So you know, you, you need a metric to be able to cut them out and weed them out. And, and you know, and this is perfect for it. You know, guys, last year that we had a lot of hope for, Talon Chetron, uh, Keon Grays, DJ Allen, they didn't hit it. And we just kind of moved on. We're like, all right, that's it. They're not going to be successful at the NFL level, uh, like I said, 3% chance. So I'm not going to take those odds in most situations. We already have 11 hit it. Oh, uh, left out one point. This is only for recruits that are top 300 recruits. So yeah. uh, if they're like three stars, like, for example, Justin Jefferson, he doesn't count. Chris Olave doesn't count. Uh, Michael Thomas from back in the day doesn't count. There's plenty of stud three stars in the NFL. But this is only for the top 50, which is like, you know, Colin said top 300 overall. But that's about 50-ish wide receivers, give or take a couple. But um, And then also last year, I think we had like 17, 18 guys beat it. Uh, with all this COVID eligibility, you got seniors hanging around, hanging around a little bit too long. We already have 11 guys hit those thresholds. So, like, maybe five or six more guys hit it. Maybe we get up to 20. That would be pretty cool. But um, I feel like it's pretty projectable at this point if you think someone's going to hit or not. There's going to be some nail-biters. We'll talk about those. But uh, I think if your favorite wide receiver hasn't caught a ball yet or is not getting snaps, you can go ahead and let that go. Yeah, it, the snaps are really in the early part of the season, which you have to start paying attention to and seeing like, all right, are they getting on the scrimmage on the field? Because a lot of these guys go to the big school programs, your Ohio States, Alabama's, Texas, all of those types of teams. Early on in the year, they have a couple cupcakes here and there. So if they're getting on the field, at least during those games, usually a positive indicator. But at this point in the year, you had to have some stats. You got to be getting close to it. Um, you you have to be showing signs of life here in some sort of capacity. And if you're not, then it's real doubtful that you're going to end up hitting it. So I wrote down four guys that are close to hitting it. Uh, Malachi, these high ranking guys that we've all been talking, that have been talked about. Malachi Coleman, Jalen Hale, Brandon Innes, and Hakeem Williams. I just want to go through talk about each one a little bit. Malachi Coleman, do you feel you think he's going to hit him? Do you think he's going to get it? Man, he's he's getting pretty close. He's about halfway there in receiving yards, 49. Um, he only has two catches on the year, so I think yards are probably his best path to hit it. But the thing with him is, is he has been getting some playing time lately. That Nebraska offense is terrible, but at least Henrik Harburg can throw the ball a little bit better than Jeff Sims. Yeah. So I have a little bit of hope there for him. Uh, and he's also such a dynamic receiver that I could see him, you know, getting that 51 yards that he needs left on like two catches. Like he's just a very dynamic receiver too with the ball in his hand. So I feel okay about him. I feel like he's one of those guys at this point, it's like 60 40 that he hits it. Okay. I'm feeling a little stronger about it. I really do. I okay. like seeing the, the snap counts. He's run 23 routes against Illinois week six and then 20 routes against Northwestern this past weekend. Um, yeah, I, I think he's going to be on the field. I think he's going to get it. We have, what, five, six more weeks left of football, something like that? About that, yeah. They Depending on the bowl make... game, too, but Nebraska's <laughs> not going bowling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, maybe next year. Um, 
anyway, uh, yeah. So I, I feel pretty good about him. As a recruit, I wasn't a big fan. I thought he had like terrible footwork. Didn't see a lot of effort. But his like bowl game, I can't remember what's called not bowl game, but the uh, the all star game, he looked pretty good there. Has some good footwork there. So I like what I'm seeing from him the most out of this group we're talking about. Let's head on over to um Jalen Hill of Alabama. He's got what does he have? Like three for fifty eight, three for sixty eight. He's on his way to hitting it. And Alabama's been thin. I mean, we, I think as a company, we complained about this receiving room for a long time. They suck. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of opportunity for just about anyone with a heartbeat to get out there. I didn't like Jalen yes. Hill. I thought he was so similar to Corey Brooks. So I probably don't care if he hits it or not. But just give me your opinion on, on uh, Hale here. Yeah. So Hale, uh, I wrote him up for. Uh, the freshman guide this year. And he, he was a really productive wide receiver in seven, a Texas high school football. So high level of football, very productive back-to-back seasons over 1100 yards, 14 touchdowns. Um, he's like a, a bigger wide receiver, better working downfield. Um, I, I think he's, he's a good jump ball receiver, uh, but he rounds off his routes a lot. He's not very explosive in and out of his breaks. So I do kind of see that Ja'Cory Brooks comparison that you were talking about there. The big thing with Hale is, and, and we'll talk actually about him a little bit later in one of the sections, because I put him as one of my answers here. But the fact that he's getting on the field here is encouraging for me. I mean, Ja'Cory Brooks is toast. I, I don't even, did he record a single snap like the last week or two? Like it's, I, he, he, dropped, like special he dropped the ball. He dropped the ball this past week, and I saw that. I was okay. like, "Oh, there he is doing this thing." <laughs> yeah, so he's he's basically toast. So, you know, we're, we're kind of we can move him out of the way. Jermaine Burton's still there, um, and then you have guys like Malik Benson's been getting a little bit more uh, playing time. He had a catch this past weekend. Isaiah Bonds really kind of stepped up. So they don't really have that bigger jump ball guy, and he can kind of fill a role. So I. I'm having a hard time evaluating him as a player, but in terms of the year one zero metrics, I'm probably 50 50 at this point, whether I think he's going to get there or not. I think he has a legitimate shot. Um, but given the state of that Alabama passing attack, it's hard to bet on anybody. Yeah, no, I I'm with you there. I'm, and by Jacoby Brooks, I meant that I think he excels at contested catches, or at least in high school, he did the yeah. route stuff is just not there. You kind of went to detail on that one. Um, but you know, that's a good point. I really think about how they don't like Alabama doesn't recruit like jump ball guys, they don't even seek no. them out. So, like, that role could be open for them. We could get some surprises down the field with some development. So, you know, that is a little bit encouraging. Yeah. And now, you know, our, like what we talked about, this is more of a method to weed guys out. You know, so just because he hits it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to be like all over him and all in and think he's going to be, you know, uh, a first round wide receiver like we've seen so many guys come out of Alabama because they have not had those guys lately and i'm i don't think he's gonna hit that threshold for me but in terms of an nfl prospect i'm still i'm still kind of on the edge he's doing enough to stay in the debbie ranks but on like yeah. the back end yeah it just, <laughs> yeah exactly there. um let's go over to brandon ennis though uh i'll just start off he was like my wires here one early in the recruiting <laughs> process so that's a little embarrassing i thought he was one of the best route runners coming out i thought he was I thought he was crisp in his routes. And then I saw the one route for the one catch of 58 yards. And we saw it, like, I think, I think it was two weekends ago. Um, it looked lethargic. I don't know what it was. It looked, it just didn't look, it didn't look clean. The release didn't look clean. It just looked, it looked like terrible defensive play more than it made him look better. 
And then I think Austin commented this too. I was talking about with Corey though. He looked kind of thick. Like I, I'm not sure what they have him on the website, but I bet he's like 210, 215 right now. Um, so, it, and he wasn't coming in as a phenomenal athlete. Like he was definitely in the good enough, like a, a good athlete. Uh, he just, yeah, I don't know, dude. I, even if he hits your one zero thresholds, I'm probably selling if I can. I really am. I'm not ready to sell him, and I've, I've been kind of saying that for the past couple of weeks yeah. on on different shows. Like I, I wasn't, I didn't have him as my wide receiver one in the class. I, he was like hovering around four or five. Like kind of in that range for me. Uh, he's definitely dropped some for me since, for sure. Um, but I, I'm not ready to give up on him yet. There are a couple reasons why. One, it's an Ohio State wide yep. receiver. Like, yeah, they have a Mecca Ibuka. They have Marvin Harrison Jr. there now. They have Julian Fleming, who they like for for whatever reason. Uh, and then those three have really just been rotating through. So the snaps haven't really been there for most of the freshmen. Carnell Tate's kind of the fourth guy working in. Xavier Johnson also very versatile. They use him in a number of different ways. But the snaps haven't been there like we thought. But that's going to clear out next year. And then we have a five-star Ohio State wide receiver with a fairly clear path to playing time. It's hard to write that guy off. And then if he can hit this year one zero threshold, you know, I mean, he has one catch for 58 yards, like he said. So he's he, he needs one other catch for 42 yards, and he's there. But uh, I think he'll have an opportunity in the bowl game. So he's another guy that I have a hard time exactly how to evaluate. But if I have him, I'm holding personally. They do have an easy schedule coming up. Wisconsin's next, but then it's Rutgers, Michigan State. And hey, man, Minnesota. Rutgers is like 6-2. and two. Yeah, I just – what type of world are we living in? I think it's so <laughs> funny. It's so funny. Um, anyway, uh, so I, I don't know, I, but you're right. You can't fade him. He's an Ohio state guy, just like Alabama. Like it's hard to like fade these guys. So if you are a manager, you're probably holding unless you can trade him for like a high end, like CFF guy. Like I know I traded him for Xavier Weaver, like two weeks ago or three. And, uh, I feel good about that now. Not at the moment, not at the moment, but I feel good about that now. I I Um, think I feel pretty good about that too. I mean, Weaver, Weaver is one of those guys that I think is going to get some like later draft buzz. So yeah. like yeah, later in the cycle, right? You mean like, later yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he feels like a, a pretty sure he'll be senior bowl eligible. He feels like a senior yeah. bowl type guy. No, there's like a list too. I and mean, we'll do a senior bowl episode probably off season of like guys that like we list off like five or six, I think can really elevate themselves. And Weaver's on that list for me. Um, Last guy here, Hakeem Williams here has four catches for 71 yards and one touchdown. He's getting some playing time. Uh, I'm going to say the snaps aren't going up like last two weeks, eight snaps and two snaps. But this past weekend, two snaps, he got two targets on each of the So one for snap and then two for 18. And then before that against Syracuse, he took a screenplay to the house for 44 yards and a touchdown uh, off eight snaps. So he's getting on the field. Finally, he hasn't hit double digits for routes run yet. Um, it's ACC defense. He could do it. Like he can do it. And he's, FSU's always made these like athletes. I can't remember like Tamori and Terry. I feel like every oh, couple yeah. years, every couple of years, there's like some super raw, unrefined athlete that comes out. There's one that made it. I, it's like escaping me. I know one was really good, like in the last ten years. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah, I think that might have been it. Was okay. It okay. Okay. Yeah. So this is what the, FSU. Well, it's a new coach, but like they just don't make good route runners there ever. Just historically, just have not. But Hakeem Williams, how are you feeling as a company? We were, we were down on. Him. How do you feel we, about 
Yeah, we were. And I, I don't think it was the wrong call. Um, honestly, like you touched on, his his A dot is like what one or something like that. It's like super it low. It was one on the screenplay and this last week was seven point five. Okay. All right. Well, it was it, it's super low A dot, like a lot of stuff around the line of scrimmage. And that's how he was used pretty regularly in high school, honestly. Like quick hitting, short stuff, letting him just out athlete people. And that's kind of what he's he's doing here. He's a phenomenal athlete, like one of the best size adjusted athletes we have in our database, but he's just so unrefined. And like you said, you know, they, they haven't really refined these wide receivers. I mean, Keon Coleman came in, but he, you know, was at Michigan state beforehand. Like they don't have a, a great track record of developing these wide receivers. And he's somebody who needed a lot of development. So I'm still pretty out on Hakeem Williams. I mean, he's the type of guy that has such a high ceiling that I understand if you want to take a dart throw on that, because if he can put it all together, he could be a first round wide receiver. You know, he's that type of size adjusted athlete. First round hopeful, first round hopeful there. But I, I don't see him getting to that point. So I am out on him. I think if he hits it, I'm looking to sell him. I might wait to sell in the offseason, though, because Keon Coleman will go, Johnny Wilson will go, and then people might look at that uh, wide receiver room and see it's vacant, and they might, like, prop him up. I think you're going yeah, to get buzz on him. There's going to be some BS hype in the offseason. Yeah. yeah. You know, do, like, one photo shoot. They'll have one yep. quarterback throw a deep ball and him, like, yeah, anyway. That's how yeah, what, Tate Rodemaker going to be throwing him the ball? Like, come on. <laughs> Um, I'm with you though. And I, I do find these raw guys fun um, until they're hitting year three and realize they just haven't developed at all whatsoever. I had someone on Twitter ask me about Jermaine Burton. Like, oh, you think he goes back and I'm like, I mean, he could, I don't know. I like, I don't care. I don't, it's been four, it's been four years. There's no development, you know? So like, I think raw guys are fine, but like their development kind of scares me because they have a lot more to ground cover than other guys, but lottery ticket type stuff. Sometimes you find yourself with George Pickens sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, those are the guys that are, we're looking at that, you know, they're close. They might hit. There's some deeper names, too. But that that's like the, the watch list for who's going to hit. Uh, I want to go over the actual like guys that have hit some tier one guys for us. Um, like, I'm, I'm confident these guys are all going to be top 30 picks uh, by next year. And next year's like CSC startups. Yeah. Um, we have the same three names. I'm just going to read them off. Then Zachariah Branch, Jonte Cook, and Carnell Tate. Uh, do you have a certain order for those three? I do. I have Tate, uh, Cardinal Tate uh, for Ohio State, then John T. Cook at Texas, and then Zachariah Branch at USC. And that's not to say that, you know, I think Zachariah Branch is, is not good or anything like that. I, I have him third. I, I like him a lot. I just like the other two a little bit better, which we can get into then. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, it's hard not to feel safe with Tate. Ohio State, yeah. it's Ryan Day. They're pretty steady over there. Um already got like his black stripe off fashion anyone else ever in history it's just everything's just so glowing about him uh yeah, yeah. so I, I i'm in on i don't even, i actually don't know my order i have my rankings pulled up too but i i'm fine with tate at number one let me see if i'm with you on that i'm not i keep rotating these guys though i have dante <laughs> cook higher they're close think, they're close i just, yeah they're all close i think the better route runner tate's like the better all around and then branch for me is just like the better like athlete like the speed kills yeah. the thing so um you can't go wrong with any of these three here uh, Zachary Branch of USC, though. Caleb Williams leaves. Are we 
it's rink it's lincoln riley we're feeling pretty good about yeah. the qb situation over there okay yeah I yeah i am and if, if felix is probing behind the scenes about miller moss i heard him ask it once <laughs> or twice i'm like <laughs> it's it's not gonna be miller moss time i i i would be surprised uh if it is because malachi nelson was was the qb1 for me like i think he's like that dude like i think he's good so yeah i don't expect a big drop off in uh, qb play so I'm not too worried about Zachariah Branch. And he hit all eight of the thresholds. Which, oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, I think he like might have just hit that uh, on returns. I'm not entirely sure. But yeah, all eight of the thresholds. Like, yes, this is a metric typically to rule players out. But if you hit all eight, like that's a very positive sign. Um, I think Steph Diggs might have done it. I think Malik Neighbors, the last six of eight. I got so the, oh, he did hit all eight. You're right. Zachary Branch has Zachary Branch now joins Luther Burden was the last one to do okay. it. Burden before that was Wandell, who did come in as a running back prospect, but Wandell Robinson, uh, Rondell Moore from Purdue, okay. and then I think it was Stefan Diggs before that. Okay, so elite company, at least for draft capital wise. Yeah, but yeah, so it's incur. Yeah, I didn't even realize he had all eight. You're blowing my mind. It's in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, that's pretty awesome. Uh, and then um, I want to talk more about tier two. This is more like the discussion. Like this is the, okay. the debate, I guess, because everyone's got the same tier one. I, for me, like these guys, I feel really confident about like an NFL future. They're like, you know, tentatively second round guys for me, possibly can go into day one. Um, but we both have Jaden Greyhouse. Let's talk about him first. Notre Dame guy came on the scene pretty hot week one. He's been really quiet ever since. So I want to ask if you're like concerned at all for Jane Greyhouse going forward. Um, I'm not necessarily concerned that much. It's it was it would have been surprising if he didn't hit it. Like if he didn't do anything, I would be pretty surprised. But it's like first game or two, uh, we're we're both pretty good. That Notre Dame passing attack has taken a fairly big step back once they got into like actual opponents. Um, so I, I don't put the blame like on him. A lot of it, yeah, they, they just kind of want to run the ball. So I, it's encouraging that he hit it for me. I think with Great House, the big thing, it, it's something that we kind of talked about it with his profile overall. Is like, what is that level? of athleticism at is he going to be more of a david bell type of a wide receiver because like that was a guy that i liked a lot and you know he's not doing anything and we got at the NFL level we yeah <laughs> so if he if he ends up kind of like in that bucket and like i start to see like kind of that level of athleticism from him heading into next year too then uh, i might be a little bit concerned but uh I, he's in my tier two though still i i still like him Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested. I, I'm with you. I think he's one of the better refined guys coming out. The athleticism is the question. We do not want another David Bell. I don't know. I can't live that one down. I can't do another one like that. <laughs> um, heading over though, you still have, I'm going to go over to your next shot. You have Makai yeah. Lemon here still. The news like two weeks ago was that he was practicing <laughs> with the DBs. Lorenzo styles all over again, you know, like Vietnam flashbacks hitting my head. How worried are you about that? Because we know their defense is terrible. Yeah, we know their defense is terrible. Yes, he was practicing with the DBs. Lincoln Riley did come back out and say that they think his future is at the wide receiver position. How much of that is coach speak? How much of that, you know, is is true and that they just they were banged up on defense and they just wanted to get him 
you know, on the field. The only metric that he hit for the year, he's not a year one zero. He's already over that threshold, but the only one he hit was returns. And people have cornerbacks return at the NFL level, you know, like anybody can kind of return kicks if you're that level of athlete. So I would be lying if I said I wasn't at least a little bit concerned there still. But, man, I, I really liked his tape. I think he's so versatile. He's that mold of wide receiver that I really like, that, like, six foot, six foot one, like, 185, 190-ish. Like, he might even be a little smaller than that, but I think he'll get up to that point. But very versatile inside, outside. He's a good route runner. Like, I, I love that profile. He hit the year one zero. It's a really, really crowded wide receiver room right now. So, it kind of explains away some of these things. So I can rationalize in my head, keeping him in my tier two. So I do still have him in tier two. I dropped him to tier three personally, but I'm with you. And he was high school teammates with Malachi Nelson. So we yes. could see the whole roommate narrative yep. in the off season and just like a new favorite target. Uh, so that definitely could come into play. I do like Lemon. I am just a little worried about this slow start because he doesn't look good. Like he might have beat the year one zero threshold, but we just, I just gave Brandon his <laughs> hard time for not looking like thick and slow on his route. Like I haven't seen Lemon look good either, um, even though he yeah. made it. So, yeah. Uh, my next guy I want to talk about that was Eugene Wilson, wide receiver from Florida. A guy that I had, I think he was my wide receiver 12, which means I got none of him uh, in my drafts. <laughs> uh preseason so he he shot up for me pretty high i think he can do it all i know they're using him in low a dot areas right now that's more on Graham mertz though like i see florida fans like commenting on pff stuff about completion percentage and his like qbr it's dink and dunk Graham mertz is still Graham mertz they're getting more out of him than uh we all thought he would but Hugh wilson can do it all i really do i think he's a fine mover in space i, I think he can be a good route runner which is what we want at the next level uh, and he's been super productive too. I don't think he's the one yet, but he's like a one B. If not, he's a solid two already for that offense. Yeah, he's definitely a one B for that offense. It's like him and Ricky Pearsall, and that's about it. And and honestly, that passing attack has been better than I expected it to be with yeah. Graham Mertz at the helm, uh, which is kind of surprising. But it's great to see Eugene Wilson out there, and he is a guy that I he's fringe tier two for me. I need to really like sit down and watch his like usage watch his tape from college here because in in high school he was used pretty similarly to what i'm seeing at least in terms of like box score scouts he's used you know close to the line of scrimmage mostly in the slot separates really well big more of a yak guy um but doesn't really run a wide variety of routes so i need to see some sort of a development in that area before i'm ready to bump him up into tier two He's right on the edge there for me. I do like Eugene Wilson a lot and definitely encouraging that he has hit um, six of eight so far. Yeah. So, yeah. It, anyway, his eight up, by the way, is 2.4 from we're listening. So it's very close yeah. to the line with some negative too. His, the most he's actually worked downfield was this last week in South Carolina. So hopefully that trend continues. Um, but yeah, I do, I do love Eugene Wilson. Now, I would trade Makai Lemon for Eugene Wilson. I would do that. I would strongly consider it if you're looking for a safer option, like Eugene Wilson is probably the safer option. Okay. Um, I think he will have a role at the NFL level, probably only a slot guy, which can be very productive for fantasy, but I think he's going to be a little more dependent on the offense. Um, whereas if Malachi Le or Makai Lemon can hit his ceiling as a player, I think it's a lot higher. Now your last 
tier two guy here on the sheet. You you really are you really are <laughs> keeping the faith of Brandon Ed. You are the only one. I am. Oh. I'm out here on an island. <laughs> Man, it just it's hard to drop a five star Ohio State wide receiver down that list when when they're gonna have that open like depth chart next year. Yeah, it's it's just it's really hard because like he could get on the field next year. And him and Carnell Tate, and he serves a very different role than Tate. Like it could just be Egbuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. 2.0. You know, Ennis does look a little thick, so I do think he needs to slim down a little bit. Um, it's not quite the level of athlete that Egbuka is, but you know, I could see like that type of a dynamic there. And it's that vision in my head that's that's keeping him in tier two for me. Okay, I mean he's a hold. I mean if you add Brandon <laughs> in your roster and no one's trading for him, like you're holding, you're not dropping yeah. him. Yeah, I'm with you there. I have I have elevated a three star up into my tier two, and I think he is my wide receiver five right now. Nope, he's six. I remember this. He's okay. my six in the class. Tyler Brown, Clemson wide receiver, uh, got on the field early, and not only that, he's playing over guys that have had NFL draft buzz, like Bo Collins, Adam Randall, other guys like that. So he's he skipped over talent in the depth charts and some high level internal talent, and also showed out when called upon. I can't remember what game it was. I'm going to bring it up. But he went off when uh, Antonio Williams was down for injury, and you're asking a true freshman to elevate his game to like supplant that. And he actually killed Syracuse for nine for 153. Filled in just fine. I mean, he he belongs. Like he absolutely belongs as a true freshman. So I'm pretty excited about it. I this yeah, I, I think I think he was like the gem. I feel like there's always like a gem on like the waiver wires each year. You know, there's always one freshman that gets like really elevated or passed over. I, I think it's Tyler Brown, like hands down. Yeah, I I, re- I do like Tyler Brown and what we've been seeing for him. I have him as my wide receiver eight in the class right now, so he would be in that tier three for me. He's literally right behind um, Eugene Wilson, so like I, I have them very close. My big concern with Tyler Brown is what's going to happen when Antonio Williams comes back. I think I know the answer. I think Tyler Brown is pretty much a slot only type of guy. I think Antonio Williams can work on the outside. So I think they'll move Antonio Williams on the outside and put Brown in the slot and get their best wide receiver on the field at the same time. You know, that would make logical sense. Coaches aren't always logical. Dabo's not always logical. I don't necessarily know exactly what's going to happen. And Antonio Williams is like, he does have a toe injury, so he's going to be out for a little while. So we are going to see Tyler Brown in an extended run here as like the guy, you know, he's, he's been performing very well. I want to see him, you know, develop just some other part of his game besides just kind of being in the slot. You know, can he can he score? Can he, you know, be dominant after the catch? Something like that for me to vault him up into tier two. But he is firmly in tier three for me. I think that's fair. That's fair. He's not he hasn't been much of a yak guy. I just like his route running. But, you know, you're in the slot. Great route runner. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down for that. Uh, One guy that we haven't talked about. Got to ask it. Is Deuce Robinson a wide receiver or tight end? Like when NFL draft time comes, are we going to be talking about him as a tight end or as a wide receiver? Man, that's I think that's going to be really tough. Uh, we did remove him as a tight end from our rankings at this point. He is listed as a wide receiver. That's kind of how they're deploying him. I think we kind of need to adjust at least in that mindset. But I'm not ready to say he's definitively a wide receiver when the NFL comes calling. I it's he's like six six two thirty. Uh, like in, yeah, in that range, like that's very much like a move tight end. 
Uh, he's in that like Kyle Pitts type of a mold. And I think Kyle Pitts is a better overall athlete um, than, than Deuce. But Deuce is a very good route athlete in his own right. I, I think it's really going to depend on the team that drafts him. Is it going to matter at the end of the day? A little bit only for only because like he could be like an actual good tight end option for your fantasy team. Whereas like the NFL is kind of like a wasteland after a certain point. Um, but I think he's shown enough so far this year that I think he's going to be productive no matter which position he's going to play. So hasn't been productive since week two. So his first three weeks of football been pretty quiet since then. Uh, South Carolina has been on a downward spiral the last two weeks. I, I don't know, dude, I think I'm ready to call him the next, like Mike Evans. I think I'm I'm ready to say that. I think like, you know, it's, I think, yeah, I, I much rather be a tight end. He has like, by physical attributes, he's, you know, tight end height and he can get tight end weight, but they certainly don't look like they want to use him for blocking. They have Lake McRae for that, but I have a tough one. I, I just in my head, I've been like, I'll I'll rank him for wide receiver until like they tell me they're ready to make him a tight end. But I, I, I think, think that's he, fair. Yeah, so I think that's where I'm at with him. But so he's tier he's tier two for me right now as a wide receiver. Is he as well for you? Uh, I don't know if I actually put him in my rankings as a in, as a wide receiver yet. Like we literally just removed that uh, over the weekend. Like I just did that. But uh, so I do need to get him in there. I would feel pretty good putting him. Do it live on the show. Do it for the viewers. All right. For the for the views. For the views here. All right. So I have Eugene Wilson and Tyler Brown at my wide receiver 37-38. I have your guy Colby Young uh, at 36. Jay Michael Sturdevance right there. I think I would put him over those guys. This is a Debbie show. I can tell you're doing the C to C, aren't you? No, no, no. I, I still have them there. Why do you say that? Well, you would go that low for Deuce in the 30s? Uh, I'm st- I'm still moving them up. I'm still moving them up. Oh, okay. Um, right. Don't list off 35 guys here. No, I won't. Jaden, <laughs> probably right with like Jaden Greathouse, who I have at 28 right now. Okay, I'll list them between Ben between Benson and Greathouse. I'm gonna move. I'm gonna move Deuce Robinson into my tier two between Malik Benson. No, I got to put him ahead of Benson because he's been better. Ahead of yeah. Benson, wide receiver 26, 27, final. Final answer. Okay. At All least for right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put today. him up a lot higher. When, when At least I for today. It. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, where do you have him? I would probably put him more in the upper teens. Honestly, okay. I really would. Uh, like I don't know. Like I still have Golden at like wide receiver sixteen, like Bond seventeen, Hunter eighteen, like in that area. I'd probably throw him in there. Um, okay. You know, I have such a distaste for middling talent, so I don't really like this guy. Like, I, I recently did, <laughs> did overhaul my rankings. Like, I still don't know if Troy Pring is an NFL guy. Like, I love him for college. I don't know if he has an NFL skill set. Devontae Walker still got to prove it. Like, he's proving it. He's got to keep doing that. We just talked about Jaden Greyhouse. Like, I feel like I'd rather Deuce than Jaden Greyhouse. I, I do think I feel pretty good about that. So, yeah, I'd probably put him in the low 20s, upper teens. Okay. Yeah, so just for context, the guys I have ahead of him right now, 26, Matthew Golden, 25, Tory Horton, 24, Malachi Corley, 23, Isaiah Bond. Okay, well, I don't think Horton's going to be anything in the NFL, but that's our... He might not. He might not. We'll see that he's a guy that I could see dropping as the offseason goes on, um, but it dropping for me as the offseason goes on. But there's enough buzz around him right now that I feel like you have to put him in like your mid-20s. Okay. 
I refuse, but that's fine. <laughs> Different philosophy. Yeah. Uh, so uh, guys that were just, we struggle with evaluating. So these are guys that have been productive. I just don't know what to do with them. I think I do have most of these guys in my rankings, but I want to start off with Kevin Conception, who actually is leading all true freshmen right now in receiving yards. Uh, true freshman for NC State. I don't see like any NFL traits, and I don't want to shun a guy for having this much production early. But I, I don't like, I don't see like a polished route runner. I don't, I don't, I just don't see anything. He's just fine. I feel like, and I'll have to wait till next year, but I feel like he's a product of a lackluster like wide receiver room. Like he's the only like heartbeat out there that like really throw to. And that's, yeah, that's where I've settled upon for him. So I really struggle with evaluating him. And, and I think a lot of people like the box score scout, like, like when Dane Key popped off early, like it's just, I don't really know what I'm seeing here. I don't see anything spectacular. Yeah, I, I mean, I would agree with that for the most part. It is tough to ignore uh, this type of production as a freshman, uh, especially in an offense that really hasn't been that good this year, not quite as good as we expected it to be. Now, we'll see what it looks like with MJ Morris under center. They've had some really tough matchups. Uh, they had Duke, who's a very good defense. I think they get Clemson this week, uh, very good defense. Um you know, so they, they've had some some tough matchups, and I think they had Miami as well. So yeah. it's like their three hardest games. So we'll see how they end up looking with with MJ Morris, maybe you know, as they get some rhythm. But I, I do agree. I think it's more of like a college production thing right now than like actual NFL skill set. I'm not ready to say he can't develop that, you know, because he showed out right away. Like we've heard his name all spring you know, all summer. And now we're actually seeing it translate onto the field. It's hard to rule those types of guys out, but I am with you. Not quite there on the Debbie uh, spectrum yet. And the OC Robert and I just has a flair for getting guys elevated. And then just, I don't know, like UVA, right? Dontavian Wicks, like that weird crowd. Couldn't be me, but those yeah. people thought he was a legit guy. <laughs> uh, and then he goes over to Syracuse. Aronde Gasson had a pretty insane fan club there. I know he's hurt, so it's kind of a low blow because he's hurt, and we can't really really say that's like a like a disproven yet. But I, it could just be like he's next to to be like over overhyped for no reason. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I want to go over to Eric Singleton, uh, also on my list compared to yours. I don't, I, don't, I do you share these two? Like, do you share these as tough evals? Eric Singleton of uh, Georgia Tech and Kevin Conception of NC State. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I think we, we talked about Kevin Conception and why he's kind of difficult. You know, you have to kind of marry production versus like what we think is going to be at the NFL level. And I think Singleton falls into a similar bucket. But the thing with Singleton is he has a signature trait to hang his hat on. And it's field that stretching. speed. Yeah, yeah that yeah. speed, that field stretching. So he has something that I think will get him drafted into the NFL. Like, you know, is it late day three? Is it like a sixth round guy? Is it special or, teams or is it something better than that? Yeah. Is is he can he build on that skill set into something that, you know, gets him taken a little bit earlier? And I, I don't have a good answer on that one right now, but Singleton is a little bit easier of an evaluation for me for that reason, where there's a very clear skill set that I think tr will translate in some capacity. Miami has a really good secondary. They shut him down. Uh, he couldn't get deep on them, so his ADOT was 7.5, I think. But before that, his ADOT was like 20, like 20-plus. 20 so, um, yeah, he's a field stretcher. I'm interested. And I've said this before. You can have just one skill trait and be really elite at it and translate fine to the NFL. I think Will Fuller is probably the best field stretcher that comes to my mind. 
in recent history. Uh, Marquise Brown, I think, is a field stretcher as well. But uh, so he's someone to watch. I just want to know if he can do more than just one thing, though. And that's right. what I really care about. Uh, let's go over one of your guys. So we talked about Jalen Hale earlier and guys that are, you know, they're on their way to hitting it. Could be a, a nail biter, but you have a tough time with him just because you're what you're worried about his that he can just do more than contested catches. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's almost like, like you said, with, with very similar to uh, Ja'Cory Brooks. It's like we, we've kind of seen this show before. Ja'Cory Brooks flashed a little bit as a freshman, just enough to give you some hope. And then he pulled the rug out from underneath you. Like, is the same thing going to happen with, with Jalen Hale? Because the narrative is very, very similar here uh, where not a great wide receiver room, getting a little bit of time as a freshman. There's going to be some, you know, Jermaine Burton has probably gone to the NFL. You know, there's going to be maybe a vacancy out there for him. He's get some time, Alabama wide receiver. But I do see mostly a jump ball guy at this point in time. There's not a lot of refinement here. And I don't know how much I trust them to develop wide receivers anymore. They haven't in a while. So uh, he's a tough eval for me because the ceiling is is pretty high. Uh, and the floor could be Ja'Cory Brooks. <laughs> Beyond the basement, just in the grave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. I, I always like when guys have more than one skill set. And then the contested catch stuff, I it's fine. I, I just don't like it for fantasy. It's necessary, yep. but like I, I was never a Devonte Parker manager or I kind of was later on. So I kind of knew what he was, but that probably was a headache for the first four years of managing him. And I feel bad for that. Crowd. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Harbor. I wrote it down here for um, Nick Harbor, uh, the wide receiver, the wide receiver for South Carolina. Although I don't know if all of us still have the same opinion, but I think he should have played defensive end. And I think initially people thought he was going to play tight end. So one of the three in the next three years will be more solidified, but he's playing wide receiver. I was bullied by the recruiting team to up his score. So he got into tier two because <laughs> I, I think I gave him a legit like 0.5 for like footwork. I just like, it wasn't, it didn't even exist. I was like, you might as well don't even move your feet, just lean forward and fall down the ground. Uh, so um, Nick Harbour's hard for me. Cause I just, I guess I'm hanging on to that high school evaluation, but I also don't like South Carolina. They don't ever develop anyone. They dip into the transfer portal. And even then, like even guys that have translated to the NFL, they're not route runners. They don't, you know, Debo is a running back pretending to be a wide receiver, and that's worked out well for him. Uh, Brian Edwards has been a kind of dud. Uh, so I don't know how much to care about Nick Harvard. He's kind of tough for me. He's like an ultra athlete, though. I think he was probably the best athlete out of this last class. So he's a freak, and it's just hard to fade those guys. Like DK Metcalf, freak athlete. No one runs straight lines better than that guy. I'll tell you that. Like <laughs> in Nick Harbour, dude, like that was kind of like the comp where like can Nick Harbour run straight lines like that, like really well. So um he's tough for me. I didn't even know he was like on the path to beating year one zero until someone mentioned it. And I was like, damn, I gotta put him in the rankings then. Man, I, don't get don't get bullied. Stay, stay strong. I'm not an I'm not a har- harbor guy either. I, I wrote up his his profile for the uh freshman guy last year. His athletic comparison. Calvin Johnson. Yeah. I mean, that's the type of like freak athlete this dude is like just insane. Like if he wants to play in the NFL because he has legitimate Olympic aspirations in the hundred meter, which I mean, it, when he's that big, I think he needs to slim down, which could have the, had the influence of him playing wide receiver over tight end as he wants to lose a little bit of weight so he can have those potential Olympic aspirations. Cause if he's, you know, 240 pounds as a tight end, you're not running an Olympic caliber time as a dude who's six five, two forty. Like it just 
not going to happen. So I think that could have played a little bit of a decision into why he wanted to go wide receiver plus, you know, more money at that position, but he's not a wide receiver. Like he is so stiff as an athlete, you get him running in a straight line and he's great. You know, can he stretch a seam and just run straight and then, you know, clear out the middle of the field? Sure. Like probably, but he, he doesn't really have very good hands doesn't have the same like explosiveness off the line that you would want to see as a receiver. It just, I don't see an actual receiver there right now. I think it's going to be tight end, maybe even defense. I don't know, but I, I refuse to rank him as a wide receiver because I don't see it. I'm going to, I'm going to rank him only because I think he's on the way to being the year one zero. I'm not sure if he has already. I know he's on his way. Um, yeah, and he's just a really good athlete. Gosh. <laughs> it's, a tough, it's a tough eval. It's tough. It's frustrating. I want to talk about guys at the top that we're just out on. Uh, like, I don't know, guys that were inside your top 10. Like, I, I'm i not 100% out on Ennis, but, like, he's on his way. We've talked about him plenty. But, like, Jurion Dickey, I don't think he has played a single snap. Or if it had, it's been, like, six or, like, five total on the year. I'm out on Dickey. Are you – where are you out on Dickey? Man, I, I nuked him pretty far in my rankings. He, he, I think he's hovering around like wide receiver 50-ish, and honestly, that might even still be a little bit too high. I might still be be hanging on to to some you know hope from when I, we evaluated him because I did really like him as a prospect. But like I said, he, I don't even know if he's gotten a snap since like he's week like two. Three. He's gotten three, and the last one was week three against Hawaii. Okay, yeah, he hasn't gotten a single snap since week three against Hawaii. So when the games actually matter and the Oregon stopped blowing teams out by 60 points, he hasn't seen the field. Even when they were blowing him out, they didn't want him on the field. It was – I remember clicking one box score and seeing – I think they passed about 14 different guys, and I was like, well, now one of them is Dickey. Like, <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm i pretty out on him too. Honestly, I do probably need to drop him lower than 50, which, which, which hurts to say because I think he was up in like my 20s before. Yeah, same. I unranked him actually. And I also unranked Cordell Russell, who has the same story last year, last yep. not this past weekend, two weekends ago. Hoover threw for like 45 attempts. It was a pretty awesome game. The the other the redshirt freshman, the fake freshman, uh throwing uh, a pretty good game. And I was looking at Cordell Russell. I was looking at the box board. That's when they had another 14 guys get the catch, and not one of them was Cordell Russell, who only got one snap on that game. So anyway, Cordell Russell, TCU wide receiver. Six foot four, two ten, phenomenal athlete. Really came on strong his senior year. Total of fourteen routes run on the year, one target, zero catches. Uh, it's just that sucks. I, I'm out. Like that's it. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of out on him too at this point. I mean, he was. He's another like size, speed freak. You know, like you were saying. I think he has one of the fastest times in our data, like uh, our recruiting team recorded in terms of like my on field miles per hour. Um, I don't remember exactly what it is off the top of my head, but it was, it was really high. So freak athlete, that wide receiver position there at TCU is not good at all. I mean, your leading wide receiver is John Paul Richardson, who <laughs> yeah. like, what are we doing here? You know, he's a founding I, father out there. He's got, he's got one of those names. Yeah. It sounds like it. I, I just, he can't even get on the field over some of those guys. Like I'm, I'm pretty out on him too, at this point. There was buzz too. They had like legit buzz in the offseason. They had me going. Yeah. They had me going. Well, he he did suffer that shoulder injury. I think it was a collarbone injury. Yeah, in broken spring. collarbone. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of derailed him a little bit, but like it was in spring. You thought he would be able to recover and be, 
you know, reclaim that buzz in the fall. And it just has not happened. Yeah. I broke my collarbone. It's a fast heel. And I was, I think I was doing like push-ups after five or six weeks of mine. Yeah. Um, and then it healed funky. So that's on me, but, <laughs> um, I, another guy though, I didn't write down his name. Actually, I'll go about him in a sec. Nathan Leacock, six foot three, two ten. He also, I think, ran twenty one point five miles per hour. And Tennessee, like, they don't ask their guys to run routes. They don't make route runners. They ask them to have single skill traits. You know, high, run fast down the middle. Like that's it. I thought Nathan Leacock could have like taken over the Tillman role. You know, just do some comebacks, real simple stuff. Yeah. I watched the clip of him running a route. I put it in our Debbie chat. No one responded. I think I put it in there twice because no one responded <laughs> the first time. And it was like, like it was it was a comeback route of the drill, and they're releasing it as like a hype video. And I was like, I don't know. Like this looks kind of slow. This looked way too long to turn. And I literally whipped out my government work phone, and I'm like timing it, and I'm like, no, you can't be turning that slow. You just can't. Like I had to like. And then I looked at the coach, and I saw the coach like say something too, and I was like, yeah, this is slow. So Nathan Leacock legit has not had a snap on the entire season. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're picking all guys that like I wrote up for the freshman guy, which is hilarious, but um, his, he was such a big riser between his junior and senior year um, in, in high school, a 587th ranked player in 2022. And then after it, you know, that in June of 20, January of 2023, he was all the way up at wide receiver 13 uh, and the 73rd overall player. So massive, rise and he looked much much better as a uh, as a senior i mean his athletic comp is george pickens and i think there's some element of that to his game he's not very sudden as an athlete um he is definitely more fluid so it doesn't really surprise me that he was not able to really run that comeback route like that um he's more of a prototypical x type of a guy and, and i was really hoping that he could step in and take that um Tillman role or at least like earn some snaps this year because I had a feeling if Brew McCoy was going to be in that role but Brew McCoy got hurt he's out for the rest of the year he can't stay healthy yeah yeah and and Leacock hasn't really done anything yet so and then it's like Dante Thornton Squirrel White and then Ramel Keaton like it's not a yeah. that's not a world beater wide receiver room there yeah exactly yeah. and then they also have another similar guy to him from last year's class in Webb uh Caleb Webb I so, thought Webb was just a jump ball guy. I remember being in on him. Matt, big wide receiver guy, talked me into him. And where I saw, I was like, I don't know. Everything's just kind of a vertical jump ball for him. Yeah, I, I, I think that I think it's pretty accurate for Webb. But you know, that's the type of thing that can fit in this, you know, Josh Heupel Tennessee style offense. But yeah, I'm, I'm hurting on, on Leacock here as well. Um, I think he's on his way to be a year one zero. Um, I think there's still like maybe like a 10% chance he could hit it at the end of the year here, but that again, again, could just be me kind of hanging on to some, some hope that maybe isn't there. Yeah. The last guy I did not write down and left off was Shelton Sampson, a guy that I struggled with writing his profile. I think I wrote him for the Debbie guide. Him and Tate were both like hard to tell on their tape, what they were good at. Obviously Tate had some really good spring buzz, which was good enough for me. Um, and then Samson got some buzz too. Samson's only ran seven routes and that was against week two against Grambling. He did get two targets for zero receptions. I mean, so that's it. Um, and then I was getting a little bit scared because the beat reporters and at LSU were like, I'm seeing a lot of Terrence Marshall out of him. And I was like, I don't want that. <laughs> I was hoping for a little bit more than that. Uh, so, um, six foot four, one ninety. He's a really good athlete on paper. Like his verified time is really good. When we watched his high school stuff, when I watched his high school stuff. Like, I struggled if 
he was trying at all. Like I felt like he was always running at 80% because he knew he didn't need to go 100%. Um, yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter now because I think he's – I think I'm out. He's done. I think he's done. Yeah, I mean, Brandon Thomas – or Brian Thomas. Uh, Brian yes. Thomas Jr. coming out of – not necessarily nowhere – but having the type of dominant season that he's having, I think really put a damper on Shelton Sampson seeing much time at all. Uh, I, I think Shelton Sampson is a solid athlete, solid size speed guy. Um, I think he accelerates and decelerates well, but his big problem is like, doesn't really run clean routes. Like he was just rounding them off, rounding off his breaks. I, I, I kind of agree with what you were saying where like, maybe it was because he knew he didn't have to do that like because he was just such a great athlete in high school um so there, there were some traits that i liked with samson but i, I i'm i'm kind of losing hope on him as well here where there's just like not really any like signs of life from him yeah and it's it's, it's the thing that we've been saying for all of these guys and unfortunately they all kind of have that same skill set where they're like bigger body guys more those prototypical x uh more and, athlete than refined. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's so he kind of falls into that same bucket where I'm losing hope for him too. Yeah, all guys I had above Eugene Wilson, I regret immensely. But let's Most go over the running. Yeah, let's go over the running backs though. Uh, typically, we care a little bit less about early production here for running backs. Um, obviously, we love seeing like Quinshawn Jenkins go off for a thousand yards. You know. Uh, but it's not as important. There is no year one zero theory for running backs. Me and Barnabas actually dove into this and wasted way too many hours. And <laughs> our results were just way too broad to really publish anything. So it was, it sucked. But my top four running backs, I don't know if Colin agrees here, but CJ Baxter, Justice Haynes, Roderick Robinson, and uh, Caleb Jackson, LSU. So sorry, CJ Baxter of Texas, Justice Haynes of Alabama, and then Roderick Robinson of Georgia, Caleb Jackson of LSU. I'm feeling pretty good about this. This was actually, well, three of these guys were my top three. And then Caleb, I think, was number five for me coming in. So I'm feeling really good about my top here. Um, are these the same top four for you? Or do you have a different one? Um, so I still have uh, Cam Selden up there pretty highly. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I still do like Cam Selden a lot. But Caleb Jackson is a guy that I did really like in this in this process, in the early part of the process. And again, another guy I wrote up for the freshman guide here. Um, he was uber productive in high school. Um, 2,400 scrimmage yards, 33 touchdowns in his junior year. Uh, he's got that size that you kind of look for. He's like 210, 200-ish, somewhere in that range. He's clocked over 21.8 miles per hour. So he has that size speed combination. I think he looked to bounce runs outside too often in high school, but I think that he has, he's showed well this year so far in limited work and that's a pretty barren room. I mean, Logan Diggs is solid. He's like maybe a Jag plus as a, as a running back, <laughs> yeah. like just a little bit better than a Jag, but the rest of those guys are all Jag. So Jackson could have a huge opportunity next year. And I, you know, I think he was a good pass catcher as well. So I think he could have a, a three down skill set. I, I do like Jackson a lot. I'm with you. Yeah. I love Jackson here too. He's he, you got him at a discount because like, he got hurt his senior year. Didn't play his senior year. Right. Wasn't early enrollee because he was still a from injury and he wanted to run track. I can't remember his track time, but it was pretty insane for a guy his size. Uh, but I, I think he's, if I had one guy to challenge the top three, it would be Caleb Jackson. And then, 
do we have any comment for CJ Baxter, Haynes, or Roger Robinson? I don't know if there's much to talk about. Uh, I got a I got a hot take. Not maybe not hot, but I okay. got a new a new update here. Um, you know, before I went on the show, I kind of tweaked my rankings a little bit. Like I still probably need to play around with them a little bit. But CJ Baxter RB two. I dude, I'm not. Behind I don't Nick hate Singleton. it. I don't hate it because I hate the running back room. You, you saw us going off about in the slack. Like it's just yeah. like, can I have my RB one start at RB ten? Because like none of these guys deserve it. Like I don't. Yeah. No, I I agree. I bumped him ahead of Raheem Sanders. Raheem Sanders has had a hard time staying healthy. It's looking a little chunky. Um, Travion, kind of the same thing. Another guy's try, had a hard time staying healthy. Hasn't lived up to the potential that we wanted. Judkins. Looking a little disappointing this year. Maybe we elevated him a little bit too high. Maybe we overcorrected too much with Judkins, where he's like a very good back, but he's not a top five caliber back. Jace McClellan has shown signs of life a little bit lately, but I still don't feel that great about putting him that highly. Braylon Allen has showed nicely, but I don't know, man. I think CJ Baxter, RB2. I'm down for that. Uh, CJ Baxter this past weekend uh, was. Let's load. Come on, let's go, buddy. Was uh, six for forty-two and one against Houston. It's a weak defense, like, but like it, you love seeing the production. Um, Justice Haynes hasn't touched the field yet too much. It's Alabama. You just gotta wait your turn. It's really busy yep. there. Roger Robinson was getting the run early with all the injuries at Georgia, and then he succumbed to injury himself. I'm wondering if it's like certain drills are doing or just ways they're pushing their guys, but it's yeah. like an issue over there, and I don't. I'm not saying an NCAA investigation, but maybe they should do their own like internal investigation to like maybe help some of that. Cause it's, it's been too so many running backs hurt over there. All of them, all of them have been hurt. Kendall Milton can't stay healthy. Branson Robinson tore that. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to necessarily put that on Georgia, but he tore his patella tendon. Uh, Roderick Robinson's had a hard time staying healthy. Andrew Paul, same thing. I don't know. I don't know what it is over there, but. Maybe they need to to put something in the water so they stop tearing their ACLs and, and getting hurt. Yeah. So, Roger Robinson. But anyway, uh, and then Caleb Jackson's number four for me. The next like group for me, like I, I don't know. I'm getting a temperature check. You said you still have Cam Sullivan pretty high, so you're not worried about it. I know he hadn't touched the ball since he fumbled it in that one yeah. game, <laughs> and they commented about it like learning mistake. Then he's like, you can't make those mistakes on the field though. Haven't seen him since, but you're not worried about Cam Selden. Um, I don't necessarily know if I would say I'm not worried about him, but like we, we, we've talked about it and you guys have definitely talked about it um, where the running back landscape in college right now is kind of brutal. It's abysmal. And Cam Selden size adjusted uh, athlete, phenomenal catches the ball really well, could have like played, thought about playing some wide receiver. I do think he made the right call moving to running back, but man, he has such a tantalizing skill set that I think he could do some serious damage there at Tennessee and Jabari small and I Jalen Wright, both can leave. I think Wright could come back if he wanted, but eligibility is made up and doesn't really matter, but there's like a clearer path to playing time next year for Selden I, I could see him having like kind of a breakout next year. So he's a guy that I might be buying right now, given the way that the running back landscape is looking. Like I think you you could sell some guys and, and get get Cam Seldon. I have him as my RB twenty right now. I think I'm in the same range. I do like his his pre like his his background is very similar to Raheem Sanders before putting on all the weight. So right. 
Uh, I have an RB12. I haven't moved him really actually. From you have an RB12? Since preseason. Yeah. Man, you're higher on him than I am. I, I don't know. <laughs> I just have. Yeah. I think, I think, think you, I think what happened is you have some guys like nuked that I'm like still keeping up there a little bit higher. Guys yeah, like. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm pretty pessimistic. I don't like that. I, there's just not like bounce backs. Like they happen once in a while not too often. So. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Um, I still have Ruben Owens up there too. I never um, like Ruben. I've never, he was even <laughs> off my top 10 coming in. I don't know. Like I thought he was a fun, I think he's an NFL pass catching back. And I think he's nothing more than that. And I thought that from day one. So. All right. I get um, that. Going into other guys I haven't touched the ball. I want to get a temperature check on Kendrick, Kendrick Riscano of Ole Miss. Man. I think the big thing for Riscano for me was that, you know, given the the way that they ran the ball so heavily at Ole Miss last year, we knew Judkins could not handle any real, really any more of a workload than what he had before. Like he was pretty much like kind of maxed out in that workload yeah. area. Like, so somebody else was going to have to step in. Turns out Ulysses Bentley's back from the dead and they like to use Jackson Dart to run the ball. So Riscano hasn't really been needed. They haven't really, he hasn't really seen the field. Um, like you talked about, like to lead off this segment, like it's not a death sentence for like running backs with like not getting on the field early. I'm not totally ready to write him off. I think there's some some good traits there, but he is a guy that I, I think needs to drop a little bit because it's just been non-existent. Yeah, I dropped him a little bit uh, just because like like Quinshawn was like hurt there and it was noticeable and he was also very ineffective the first six weeks and they still yeah. didn't want to like Say F it, let's run so and so out and see how he does. I didn't even yeah. do that. Um, the last guy I want to talk about, DJ Braswell. Name change used to be Dontavious Braswell, DJ Braswell of South Carolina. And it's I DJ J A Y, which yeah, get out of here with that. Like that that alone just drops you like five, six spots. Adjust accordingly, yeah. <laughs> um, I I liked him more for the opportunity. Like I thought he was a fine back. Like I really thought he was fine, but it was more like SEC, this room is not that good. I haven't I don't think I've seen him. I don't I'm gonna go look, but I don't think I've seen him yet. I don't know what to do with him. Maybe I just overreacted to his athleticism and then his frame, which I thought was pretty good. But what are you doing with DJ Braswell? I I the thing with DJ Braswell is I, I didn't really expect him to do a ton his freshman year. I expected him to do something more than what he's doing. But I you know, just given South Carolina like they've kind of mismanaged running backs for the past couple of years now. I mean, look at, look at my guy, Marshawn Lloyd, look what he's doing out there in limited work in at the other USC out on the West coast. Uh, and South Carolina, I think there was like two games uh, his whole year last year where he got more than 10 carries. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was kind of that way for a couple of years. Like I just, I don't know. I, I think that the South Carolina coaching staff has, has, issues with mismanaging some some of the snaps at the running back position but they have mario anderson there who has looked decent the past couple of weeks i think he's got another year left so i'm losing hope with with um, dj braswell a little bit too me me out of these three if there's like one guy to lose hope on who are you losing hope on the most probably braswell i had him the lowest out of the three coming in um it's definitely not cam selden we both uh yeah both still like cam but I think Braz will be the one. Okay. I like that. Let's go about some upper comers, guys. Uh, I actually think I'm going to start off with Jeremiah Love, who I had 
kind of high in my pre-draft rank, like my like my early rank. So I was pretty excited about that. He's been efficient, like every time he touches the ball here for Notre Dame. While a uh, fellow running back like RG Estime has fallen off a bit, Notre Dame isn't really known for developing running backs, in my opinion. Like they're mostly just they just like running their thick boys down the middle. Like that's it. Um, but love with the exception of against USC, but like he's averaging 6.7 yards per carry, 39 attempts for 263 yards, one touchdown. And it's not just like he killed Tennessee state. It's like, he's playing good against like Duke, Ohio state. It's, it's not bad defenses. It's small sample size. This is what true freshmen really are all about small right. sample sizes. Um, but I really like what I'm seeing Five eleven, two hundred. 200. Like you can add more weight. Notre, Notre Dame has a good weight room. We seen like those big boys go, <laughs> go to the draft. So I, I'm feeling pretty good about that happening. Um, he's a big riser for me and he's somebody that I think could end up being my RB five probably by the end of, uh, by the start of next season for the class, for the class. Yeah. RB five for the class. I could, I could see that. I think he is, um, a, definitely a, a riser, at least a little bit, uh, you know, with Audrey Estime and the year he's having really wouldn't surprise me if he goes off to the NFL. So there could be some, some opening there. They, my only issue is they've, like cycled through so many different running backs this year, just spreading the ball out behind Estime. It's like Estime and then everybody else receives like a smattering of carries here and there. They work in a lot of different guys. I don't know exactly what that touch split's going to look like next year, but I do think Jeremiah has some, some traits that, you know, you're going to love pun intended. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> the look on your face said otherwise. And that half-hearted laugh said otherwise. No, I love it. I love it. I, I'm a big Jeremiah love guy. Um, want to talk about one of your guys on your list? Yeah, I mean, I think the the first guy I have here on the list is Parker Jenkins, um, running back at Houston. Not really a guy that was on my radar pretty much at all. I mean, I, I knew the name, but I, I wasn't really on my radar that much. Was definitely not in my rankings. And then you know, we saw him just torch Sam Houston State. You know, he went for over 100 yards, three touchdowns in that game. And he's kind of slowly trailed off ever since. Um, 13 carries the following week for 71 yards, then six carries, nine carries. Like, he's trailed off a little bit, but I think we saw enough flash there that I was definitely encouraged by him. And he's got pretty solid size. He's 5'11", like 195-ish. You know, could stand to put on like another five, 10 pounds, but he's got that size that you're kind of looking for. Um, and there's not really anything else in that backfield. I'm not a big Brandon Campbell guy. Stacy Sneed missed me with that. Tony Matthews Jr. No, thank you. So I think he's a guy that is showing some flashes here, needs to be on radars, and could potentially make, take a nice step next year. I heard he made Ultimate Casco transfer too. It's probably all him. Rumor on the street. I don't know. Rumor, yeah. Many are saying this. Um, he is getting some receiving work, too. He got 12 targets mm-hmm. on the year. Eight for 32, so he's not doing anything with them. <laughs> but he, at least he's getting them, and that's kind of a good thing to do. Um, I like Jenkins. Worry about the size. Worry about the trail off. But, like, someone to monitor for sure, 100%. Uh, Quentin Joyner, I was another guy. I think a lot of us had to decide if we were either Amari and Peterson or Quentin Joyner fans coming in. And I opted to follow the three-star king himself, Alfred, and I went with uh, Amarian Peterson. <laughs> he put on a lot of weight towards the end. It was not looking good. Uh, but Quentin Joyner has flashed pretty well there. It's Pac-12 defenses, so, you know, he's performing just as well as Marshawn Lloyd in the games he has showed out in. Um, 
obviously USC will not be in the Pac-12 anymore. So we'll get to see a little bit harder defenses down the down the stretch here. But I I like I like the flashes I've seen from Joiner. Um, really hard to trust Pac-12 running backs, but we are getting once again we are done with Pac-12 running backs. We will get answers much sooner than seeing them in the NFL. Yeah, I I, I was team Joiner uh, in that Peterson versus Joiner battle. Yeah, um, I think that's you know that's not looking too bad here so far early on. But the thing that you know, obviously worries me with Joyner is what we're seeing with the way that Lincoln Riley's handling that backfield now, like, again, just not running the ball like at all. And, you know, he has a propensity to use the transfer portal. He brought in like, since his, like he's been at, at USC for two years, he brought in Travis Dye last year and Austin Jones last year and Dal- uh, Dalton Barlow, something Barlow from, uh, from TCU, like he brought in three transfers last year. This offseason, he brings in Marshawn Lloyd. Like he is not afraid to use the portal, and especially at the running back position. So I worry a little bit that they might bring in somebody to just siphon off some touches with Joyner or Peterson gets some touches there too. And he just turns into one of those guys that we don't really know what to do with because it's such a small sample size. And so like, I like it's just like sitting yeah. five touches each year because he just rotates so much. Yeah. yeah so I, I like Joyner. But I am a little bit worried about how that's going to play out over these next couple of years. Yeah. Give me your next one. Uh, my next one's Darius Taylor uh, running back for Minnesota. And I mean, obviously, I think he has to be on anybody's up and coming list here. Not that, you know, he was like this super under the radar type guy or anything like that, because, you know, he was going to Minnesota. We knew he liked Minnesota running backs, but that was a pretty crowded backfield there prior to this season. Um, you know, they had Bryce Williams as a guy that for whatever reason, they wanted to make a thing. They had Zach Evans there, not the NFL Zach Evans, but the other Zach Evans, who's a, a redshirt freshman this year. They brought in Sean Tyler from Western Michigan, who was productive. So Darius Taylor had to climb over a lot of bodies in that backfield, but, but he's done it and he's left them in the dust. I mean, he had, you know, 300 yard games like throughout the middle of the season here. He got bang, banged up. Came back last week against Iowa, but that's a really tough defense. So I, I'm curious to see how he's going to finish out the year, but he has to be a riser. And he's been getting a little receiving work too. Nine catches uh, for 81 yards. So, you know, maybe he gets used a little bit more in the receiving game. I think he's a guy that is working his way into uh, probably like early day three range. Like at this point, like I think I could see him being like a fourth rounder. Um, and I'm not ruling out that he sneaks into the back end of day two with the way that this running back landscape has looked over the past couple of years. Yeah, uh, I moved him up. I don't, I'm a pretty good Minnesota fan hater just because of the fans. <laughs> but like, I don't know. Like they're really good. Like those, that offensive line's always been pretty solid for them. Their running backs have always been pretty good at following their blockers. I don't really like what I see outside of that though. Like when they do, like, pick to leave their blockers i don't really see a lot there so i'm looking for that not like now that's more of a next year thing right it's a true freshman um on my radar but i i don't know so I, i'm gonna look out for him my last guy is gonna be caden fegan iowa came in as an athlete he came i can't remember what state did he come from illinois itself or like missouri uh yeah it was like one of those more non-traditional states it's not like texas california anything like yeah. that he played like every position. He's a quarterback, linebacker, corner corner at six foot three, two forty, and also like wide receiver. So he was an athlete. 
he's been killing it this last couple of weeks. 19 for 84 and one against Maryland, 24 for 97 and one against Wisconsin. Not like strong teams, not like Iowa's a strong offense anyway by themselves. But the size, six foot three, two forty. I feel like I'm playing this game again, like I did with CJ Donaldson, where I got to figure out if I think he's just like a day three power back or if he's more than that. But just like Darius Taylor, I think both these guys are super safe to like say, like, feel pretty good about them being a day three guy, and then we'll see what yeah. happens in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Caden Fegan is that size speed specimen that, you know, teams can can fall in love with, and it only takes one team. You know, I could see an A.J. Dillon-esque type of path for him. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think he's – and he has started to, to take on more carries here with, like, you know, Josh McCray out for the year with Reggie Love being banged up. So we're going to get a pretty good look at him down the stretch to see how he – develops as a running back. So like you said, he played so many different positions. Like this is really his first, you know, true time focusing on one position. So he definitely had some development to do. Be curious to see how that shapes at the end of the year there. But I, I like Caden Fegan as well. I think he's uh, definitely a, a C2C player uh, to own for, for Debbie, you know, working his way into that conversation. Yeah, I, I think he's gonna be a good grinder too. If like Felix ever enters the front office for an NFL team, like he'll <laughs> like Thomas Hill will take him in the first round. Um, do you want to talk about your next guy? Because he weighed like one seventy coming into college. I know that the weight's different now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I trust it. Yeah, it's it is hard when you see that big of a jump. It's it's hard to trust the weight. But Jeremiah Cobb, uh, running back for Auburn, listed at one hundred ninety one pounds now, five eleven, one ninety one. Um, he's been, he's been getting some work here and, you know, it started out the year they play UMass and he had 57 yards and a touchdown, but that's UMass, but he's gotten at least one carry, uh, in like five of seven games. And he's played at least a snap in every single game in the, in the backfield there. So he's getting on the field, encouraging to see, uh, two weeks ago against LSU, 10 carries for 69 yards. Um, he's doing pretty well after contact too. He's got 150 yards, uh, on the year total and then 82 that's coming after contact. So, you know, he's, he's showing some encouraging signs here. And I think the the big thing with Auburn is the team is terrible this year and we may not like Hugh freeze as like a a play as like a person, but as a coach, he's a pretty good coach. Uh, so I think he's going to get this offense figured out probably next year when they have, you know, maybe some semblance of a real quarterback. We'll see. But if that offense gets going a little bit, I, th- I think we could see Cobb have some some nice games next year. It's really going to depend on what J- um, Jarquez Hunter does, whether he leaves, whether he stays. Makes but... another tape. Makes another tape. <laughs> if he makes another tape, he might he might have to come back. Um but yeah, I mean, there's not really anybody else there. Damari Alston's been banged up and he's been a little bit disappointing. So I could see Cobb taking a nice role next year. I don't, yeah, I don't know if I believe he's 190, but he was a small guy, really lightweight track star, runs around the edge, like your typical yep. college guy. And that's how I view him. So I don't think I have him ranked at all, uh, at least not anymore, because I don't think he'll ever develop to be an NFL asset. But yeah, opportunities here, 100%. Also, I thought Auburn's been playing better than i expected this year yeah okay all right yeah no, i'll, I'll well, give I, them that better than expected like i thought it was going to be an absolute dumpster fire yeah and, and they've like just been yeah their offense has just been very not they're great. like dumpster and now they're like 
recycling bin in a nice suburb, you know, like close yeah. to the community. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit cleaner. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that wraps up that portion. Actually, that wraps up our running backs. We're going to quarterbacks now. We didn't have this in the reaction section, but what do you think about Emory Williams, the Miami quarterback that filled in for Tyler Van Dyke <laughs> and UNC? Man, Emory, that's, that's tough, man. Emory Williams has been my guy. Um, <laughs> I, I liked Emory Williams a lot. Uh, you know, this game was not good. Uh, now, was it just not good or was it terrible? It was, it was bordering on terrible. Um, okay. I, the, the, the thing that I can rationalize in my head is it was Clemson's defense, very good defense. Yep. Uh, and it was a pretty late announcement that Tyler Van Dyke was not going to play. Like, I, I don't know about you. I didn't see anything about that, like until Saturday. No. So I don't know what the practice reps looked like behind the scenes, whether Van Dyke was getting some, whether it was all Emory Williams. I don't know how much first team reps he got throughout the week. I imagine he, if there was any doubt with Van Dyke, he probably got some, but he didn't get a full complement of them. So that combined with playing Clemson's defense makes me, you know, be able to rationalize it away a little bit in my head. But it was, I've been hyping up Emory Williams as a guy potentially for next year. And that was not an encouraging first showing. Uh, PFF loved his performance. 79.1 for offense score. They loved it. That's actually not as terrible as I thought that was going to be. No, they, no, it's like a bold green. It's not even like light green. It's like, yeah. but this is green, green, light go. Like we love this guy. I mean, he was not throwing the ball downfield really like at no, all. Like four yards in a 10th, I think. Let me yeah. 5.7, 5.7, yeah. a dot. Anyway. He had some okay out routes, you know, uh, a couple of those. I actually am legit interested, though. This is a Shannon Dawson, uh, Dawson offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke's gone next year. Like, he's got the size I like. Um, anyway, I think he's got a good I, I think, arm if they want to let him loose. I think he's the perfect stash. Like, you don't, you're not going to spend, like, a yeah. supplemental, like, maybe, like, 10th on him like maybe i think you get him in that range probably a little later not if you're in a league with me man i have him in a, i have him in like three or four leagues already that's crazy um yeah i i didn't think he looked good i think he looked terrible though i was not yeah. the way Austin was. i was not there but i was like i don't know what i expected this is definitely better than other freshman fill-ins i've seen from miami yeah. in the last year or two yeah, yeah. Talking about Jake Garcia and uh well jacurry brown like those guys are yeah terrible. yeah exactly those guys are terrible now Miami might try to be active in the the portal next year. I don't know, but I think there's going to be a lot of teams looking in the portal and not a lot of portal, like quality portal quarterbacks. So I think some teams are going to get left holding the bag and I think Miami could be one of them. So I do think Emory Williams is going to be the starter there next year as the way things stand right now. And we'll see how it goes from there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Hey, he's got to get to that point and then we'll see. Yeah. All right. So for quarterbacks, it should be a little bit of faster section guys. This is going to be a longer episode, but uh true freshman QBs, they just don't see the field it's just pretty rare for them especially with COVID eligibility still uh, lingering around transfer portal we keep mentioning so people are always shopping for quarterbacks um the top of the class for me has been Malachi Nelson Dante Moore is it the same for you yeah yeah it's it's Malachi Nelson at one for me yeah um and then Dante Moore is firmly at two I was I had him and Arch pretty even like as an initial freshman grade uh, but then we saw Dante look really good in the all-star circuit. Uh, I don't remember which of the bowl, all-star bowl games that he went to, whether it was the all-American bowl um, or the, or the bowl. yeah, or whatever, whatever it was. But um, he looked good there. 
so and then we got a lot of positive buzz in the spring so i did vault him up uh pretty comfortably over arch manning then at the end so they are one and two yeah they're tier one for me um I'm, I don't share Felix's sentiment that Dante Moore should have been the 101 in formats. Uh, did you see that tweet like two weeks ago? I did. I I would put Malachi and then, Nelson in and then Moore me. got benched that weekend, so of course he did it. <laughs> it's his fault. Um, I actually do want to talk about Dante Moore getting benched. I, like any takeaways here? Or are you just like fresh mistakes? Like uh, I think mostly it's freshman mistakes. I mean, I he was not playing too well those last couple of games, but one of them was against Utah. It's a very good defense. I, I'm still very surprised that they benched him and went back to Ethan Garbers, although Ethan Garbers actually looked like decent. Now and it was it was Stanford, so we'll see what happens when they play an actual team. But um I still think Dante Moore's the guy for the future there. Given all of the stuff that he, he went on in the like fall about, you know, Dante Moore was was rumored to not be very happy it does surprise me that they benched him but if he if he decides to stay at ucla i think he will be the guy moving forward alabama needs a guy so maybe he can be unhappy there's a lot of teams that could need quarterbacks like i just mentioned it miami yeah <laughs> um okay go back to washington well it wasn't washington it was oregon oregon, oregon. Right? Yeah. yeah interesting all right anyway uh, top two for me as well. I don't really have a reason to move them, although I am a little bit more concerned. I mean, you know, the QB landscape is such a wasteland. Like, even right now, we're not happy with the 2025 class. And yeah. me personally, for the 24 class, I think there's like two first rounders. Um, so going into like the second group of guys, like, I think this is like the, the top three that I think can make it into the tier one, uh, depending on their performance next year. I want to start off with Ninko Iamalieva from Tennessee. Had, this is like the one guy we haven't seen, so very much a mystery box. And like, I don't, I'm not trying to chase a narrative here, but uh, Joe Milton's been terrible. Yeah. And we have not seen Ninko yet. Is Ninko also terrible, or they're just riding with, they're just preserving their freshmen? Yeah, I think they were just kind of preserving their freshmen. And they, you know, at that point, I think Tennessee only had one loss and they just lost to Alabama. Um, but, and Joe Milton actually looked decent in the first half against Alabama and then looked terrible the second half. But I think it's mostly, it's a freshman. Tennessee still had some hopes, but with that second loss to Alabama, if, if Joe Milton struggles again down the stretch, I think they could turn to Nico or at least some, put him in for some plays and get him some experience. As far as Nico as a Debbie prospect goes, he's the one out of this group that I was probably the least sure about overall. I mean, he's got a big arm. He was hitting some wide open reads in high school. So he's going to fit right in, in this offense. It fits exactly what he does really well, but it doesn't ask him to do the things that he didn't do well. So how much is this offense going to improve him and how much is he going to develop in college? It's a pretty big question mark for me. Uh, I, I think he firmly deserves to be in this group, but as far as like the Debbie prospects go, he's the one out of this group I'm the least sure about. I actually agree with you on that statement too. And for my opinion, for his high school tape, I thought like there would be like a wow throw, and then yeah. there would be like four throws where I'm like, I don't know about those. Those <laughs> don't look that great. Um, so really inconsistent with his arm. That was my concern. And I, like watching Joe Milton and how inconsistent his arm is, I'm like, maybe these guys are just. <laughs> Like, spider-man meme <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 that's the concern for me 
Um, let's go over to Jackson Arnold, uh, Oklahoma, which has been a surprise for everyone in college football so far. Yeah. Got some good run week one, 11 for 11 for 114 and one uh, with a A dot of three yards. Love that. <laughs> uh, so um, he's been on the field. He's been 13 for 15 overall for 169. For 169. Nice. Yeah, nice. there we go. Nice. All right. And two touchdowns. <laughs> I didn't know if you froze for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Um, six foot one, two fourteen. I I don't know what to say about him. I I, I like that we're building his confidence, a little dink and dunk offense. You know, Graham Mertz can do it, he can do it. So love that. At least we know he's better than Graham Mertz now. <laughs> um, so I, I'm excited about Jackson Arnold for this offense. Oklahoma really has shattered everyone's expectations, which really amazes me because I I do like a lot of do I do a lot of draft stuff, I like talking to Barnum's about draft stuff too. I've heard anyone talk about Oklahoma players as like day one, day two prospects, no. even like early day three, I think. And like they're a top four team, so clearly like some of those guys will get late buzz when we figure it all out. But I love what they're doing in Oklahoma, so I'm pretty excited about Jackson Arnold. And even if like they only use him, like Florida's using Graham Mertz, like that's fine to start off. That's I'm okay with that. A little short area stuff, build up his confidence, take some shots downfield. What do you think about Jackson Arnold? Yeah, I think Jackson Arnold is going to be a fantastic fit in this offense, uh, and I think he's going to be a very very productive college player. My, my concerns a little bit with Jackson Arnold are, are size that's six foot one. It's a little on the shorter size. Now we've seen plenty of quarterbacks. We've, I shouldn't say plenty. We have seen quarterbacks be successful at the NFL level who are that height or shorter. So a recent, a recently, like recently, that's like a recent yeah. thing. And I used to care about height, like six foot three or bust, you know, yeah. and if you're six foot two, you got to move like Lamar or Jalen Hurts, like one of the two. Yeah. Um, but you know, we see, uh, What's his name for the command? Same, we see Sam Howell, Howell mm-hmm. out there. Bryce, that was the name I was going to call out. Yeah, Bryce Young, small, and uh, I have no idea how tall Brock Purdy. Yeah, anyway, but we're seeing a lot of six foot, six foot one guys like getting their shot at least. Yeah, so it's it's definitely not exclusion exclusionary like it kind of used to be. Um, so it's not a huge concern. It's just like just something I think that I'm a little bit aware of and cognizant of. Is, is he's a little on the shorter side, uh, and then. I think his arm is fine. I think it's a it's a decent arm, but he doesn't have like great arm talent. So he hits the good enough. Like, yeah, good he enough. hits the he hits the Joe Burrow line. The good enough. Um, but not have not having an arm like a, a high end arm strength, he's gonna have to make up a little bit of that with like his processing and his mind. And that's something that you know he did okay at the at the high school level, but we'll see how he adapts at the college level, especially because he's going to be in the sec. Uh, he's not going to be in the big 12. But, uh, so we're going to get, I think a good idea of Jackson Arnold next year. And I do like him. He's my QB four. I have him ahead of, of Nico. I think he has day one potential, but there's just enough concerns that I'm a little weary. I actually love in general, this QB class. Of true freshmen, I have eight inside my top fifteen. I talked about Ooh. Coach A on his Debbie devotional because he's all upset I didn't have JJ McCarthy high enough. <laughs> uh, and I was more like, I don't really believe in JJ McCarthy, but like I really do think this group could be pretty special. Obviously, someone will drop off, like no doubt, you know. Right. But at least one, <laughs> probably a lot more than that. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I do like him a lot too. The last guy's Arch Manning, who just. I, I probably say this a lot. The whole story around it, everyone like thought he was super special because his name's Arch Manning. Mm-hmm. He plays in a small, the smallest like private school, Texas. It, like you watch this Louisiana. tape, and you, 
Oh, Louisiana. Not even Texas, Louisiana. And you want, like, but you like, I remember yeah. watching a slot receiver. I'm like, that dude's five foot ten, like one twenty. Like, I want to go take him to Burger King after this. Like, <laughs> and Arch Manning is like a god amongst like boys. And then, and then he shows up to, which obviously he shows up to spring, and everyone's like, this guy sucks. And it's like, I mean, he's going from small private school yeah. to like top end football in college. Like, there's gonna be some game speed adjustment. And everyone flipped on him real fast. I thought that was pretty interesting, but. And now we got Malik Murphy starting in front of him for Texas. But anyway, Arch Manning's here. He's got critical size. I thought he's got really good mechanics. Um, compared to pretty much anyone in the top probably 50 quarterbacks, he probably has the most game speed to catch up on compared to everybody else just because of how bad his competition was. But I don't know the thing about him. He hasn't touched the field. Quinn Ewers' guy be coming back. Malik Murphy's probably hitting the portal. Like Maybe Arch is too. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you have to figure that at least with the name value that if he wanted to transfer, he could go pretty much wherever he wanted. So if he's really set on like, I want to start in year two or at least have like a legitimate shot at it and they bring Quinn Ewers back, I don't think he has a legitimate shot at it. So that's a, a transfer portal name that I wouldn't necessarily rule out at this point. Um but he did really like Texas. He really liked what Sark was selling. So, that, you know, that's kind of what, what sent him there. So we'll, we'll see how that ends up shaking out here. But as far as Malik Murphy playing over him, I don't, like you said, he had so much to catch up on from the ju- huge jump in competition level. And he's a true freshman. Like, I didn't expect him to see the field at all this year. If, if he was playing ahead of Malik Murphy, I would be very concerned for Malik Murphy. But he's not. He's not going to see the field. We're not going to see him at all. So you just kind of have to hang on to your evaluation of him. My eval of him, I thought he was one of the cleanest prospects I've seen in a while in terms of mechanics. He's good mental on the mental side of the game. He's more mobile than than Eli and, and Peyton are. Like he has modern NFL QB mobility. Like he, he can run a little bit. So he doesn't have like elite arm strength. He's pretty accurate. Um, so there's a lot to like with Arch. I do think that people kind of overcorrected too much on him. You know, people were hyping him up so much as because he has the Manning name. Yeah. And then that drew out all the haters who were like, oh, he actually sucks. If he wasn't named Manning, he'd be a three-star. Then when he struggles in Texas, you hear that narrative too. So I I haven't moved Arch. Uh he's he's still my QB three until we see something else from him. I'm gonna go on to the next group of guys here. This next group. I personally have a hard time not elevating them from the flashes I've seen. I'm trying to like trust the process from the original process I had. Um, start off with the North Sellers. North Sellers misses no missed his junior year, not a senior year. Had a phenomenal senior year, something like 38 touchdowns thrown and like two interceptions. Six foot two, uh, has goggles, love that. He <laughs> threw like the best like four passes we've ever seen in like a true freshman opener for uh, South Carolina. And I don't. I, I think he's the dual threat like QB in this class. Um, sorry, not six foot two, six foot three, two forty five. Anyway, I'm I'm just excited about him. I can't wait for Spencer Rattler to leave. Uh, he only got again one run against Furman, four for four for eighty six yards and two touchdowns. I think he's phenomenal. I, I think he could be the top dual threat in this class. And we we know that I think the NFL is coveting mobility more and more every single year. Yeah, I think the the thing that could really hold him back is like South Carolina as a team. Uh, but in that, in, in what we saw, he did look really good. He was a late riser. Uh, he started to get a lot of buzz like this off season from you know us and from other places out there as well. He reportedly looked good in spring. So yeah, 
I think you have to elevate him from that one performance that we saw, but also as you know, some other quarterbacks stumble a little bit, you know, that's another reason he starts to climb up in the rankings. So yeah, I, I agree. Sellers is definitely a riser. The next guy for me is Aiden Childs with uh, Oregon State. They're playing behind DJU. Uh, has only come in for a leaf a few times. Again, these are just like flashes. They look good. He looks like he belongs. He was also a late riser like Connor's talking about for Lenore Sellers. Um, he's six foot four. I know I watched his game against Ninko. He played against Ninko, I think, twice a year for like the last like couple years of his high school. Um, but I like Aiden Childs, predictable size, has looked good in flashes. 16 for 21 on the year with 171 passing yards and three touchdowns. I think his ADOT is fine. Was it 8.4? Yeah. So he's not like just throwing dink and dunks. I'm excited for Oregon State. I hope they get some real pass catchers there too. Yeah. I My only worry with Oregon State is I have no idea what conference they're going to be playing in. Like, I, yeah. He's, he's another guy that I think could potentially transfer. Like, cause he's, if, if Oregon State ends up in the Mountain West, like, he's way better than I'm like a Mountain West quarterback. Like, he should just destroy the Mountain West. So I want to see him. And as, as much as it pains me, because I do really like what Jonathan Smith is doing at Oregon State. And I think the fact that he has them as a team that nobody wants to see on their schedule and like a perennial top 25 team is is phenomenal. Just really sucks that he's going to Aiden Charles is probably going to be a Mountain West quarterback if he sticks it at Oregon State. So uh, I have a hard time evaluating what I think of him because I think he has to transfer at this point. And, and then where does he go? And I think that could have a big impact on you know, his NFL future, but as a player and as a skill set, I do think Aiden Childs has an NFL skill set. I think he could be, um, you know, a, a guy that we see playing on Sundays and, and it's just, it, we've, we've seen some nice flashes of him so far this year, the DJU there, you know, they've, they built in some packages for, for Childs, but uh, he's, he's a guy that I have a tough time evaluating right now. I don't think he. Tra- I, I'm not in with the transfer stuff. It's like he had to go there knowing he's going to wait a year behind DJU. I think he'll probably, whatever conference they go to, I think he'll probably weather that storm. Maybe, maybe the year after that though. Maybe I don't know. We'll see. I think that's a tough one. Yeah, I'm super pumped by the way for the conference realignments because one, no more Pac-12 defenses. Very excited <laughs> about that. I don't have to worry about if a Pac-12 receiver is actually good or defenses are just that bad. I'm, that's what I'm most excited about. So I'm pretty pumped about that. Yeah, you're a you're a Pac-12 hater. I, I liked the Pac-12, man. I did. They're fun R. to R. watch. They're good they TV. Are. I don't like trying to evaluate players um, from there. Uh, Jaden Rashada is the last guy on my list here for this one. Jaden Rashada had a lot of like drama around not not him personally, but like the whole like Florida State thing, late transfer goes to like the best situation he could possibly go to as a late transfer to Arizona State with Kenny Dillingham, QB whisperer there. Um, Flash somewhat okay to start off, got hurt, so we'll have to wait to see what goes on there. But I'm interested in Jaden Rashada mostly because of Dillingham's there. I didn't really think Rashada had like tools that I coveted as far as like NFL quarterbacks go. But um, yeah, I, this is more about the team and the coach than it is about Jaden Rashada. Yeah, I, I could definitely see that. I mean, Kenley Dillingham really helped to resurrect Bo Nix's career at, at Oregon, and, and he looked, Bo Nix looked as best like his best year at Auburn was with Kenny Dillingham as well. So, you know, I, I think Dillingham deservedly so gets some credit for being a quarterback developer. We'll see. He needs to do it with somebody like besides Bo Nix, but 
Uh, I think he's a talented coach, and I, I do like that Jaden Rashada is paired with him. I do kind of agree with you, though. Like, I, he was like a fringe NFL type guy for me uh, in the like initial process. Like, if he ended up at Florida, I would have been totally out. But there's there's definitely some hope there. And then obviously him getting on the field, being the starter to open the year, uh, I think is is definitely a good sign for for him. Uh, it sucks that he got hurt, but uh, I do. Rashad is definitely a riser, too. Yeah. So those are the three guys I really like a lot. Is there anybody you would add to this list of uh, like guys that we've seen want to elevate? Not guys that we we've seen. No, because I mean, we've, we've seen some impressive freshman performances from like, you know, uh, Keon Jenkins at FIU and and Zion Chris at at uh, UL at Louisiana, but those aren't Debbie guys, so like you can't really elevate them in that context, you know. So I there's not really anybody else that we've actually seen that I would put on that list. There are three guys that we we haven't seen that I, I I'm still like stashing, you know. Uh, Same. So <laughs> yeah. So the first thing I want to talk about is Austin Novosad. We talked about Oregon. Oregon has a nice history of just developing players in the NFL. But also Novosad here had some good spring buzz. I, did he did he play a little bit? I think he did play a little bit this year and just did not look great. I want to say it might have been spring. Uh, he didn't – there weren't great uh, great reviews of him in spring. I mean, I think he looked okay, but uh, like nothing that's going to blow anybody's mind. I don't know yeah, how much he got yeah, on the yeah, field yeah. this year, though. Just four snaps, uh, okay. four for four for 14. So no big deal. Got that Wendy's meal going on. Uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I liked Austin Nostad coming in. He was always like a back end in the top 10 for me. Um, it's just wide open. I, there is transfer portals too. So if they bring in a guy, like I'll probably just be out on Nostad altogether. Uh, but he's one guy. Austin Mack, same story. Austin Mack reclassified actually came in early. He came in like age of 16. I think he's 17 now, but. If he shows some yeah. flashes at 18 years old next year, like not even as a starter, like just say he comes in relief for whoever they transfers in for them with the Kalen DeBoer offense. Like I'm pretty interested. Like he is six foot four, super slender. I don't remember his weight, but he's he's skinny. Very again. skinny. Yeah. Again, he's growing into he's a growing boy. Um, but I, I, I like Austin. This is probably somebody Jaden Rashada. This is more about like the system and the coach and their history rather than the player itself. But I liked Mac. I mean, a lot of it is a system for me as well. So I'll definitely say that, but I did like Mac. I think he has a good arm. Um, he's, he's mobile. Uh, he's not like a, a guy who's going to take off and pick up a ton of yards, but you know, he can move around back there. So I think there's a lot to work with, with Mac. He's just such a difficult evaluation because he reclassified. He was so young coming in, like definitely didn't expect to see him this year. I don't know how much we'll see him next year. Washington feels like one of those teams that might bring somebody in, but I do know that there were a lot of reports this spring that, you know, they were sitting Michael Penix or fall. Um, they were sitting Michael Penix for like veteran rest days and they liked what they saw out of, out of Dylan Morris. So I think they like what they have in Dylan Morris, who uh, he'll probably be the one to get the best shot at starting next year. And then we probably don't see Austin Mack for maybe like two years. So it, it's tough to wait that long on a guy, but there was a lot there that I liked and I really liked this scheme and, and the system. So I have a lot of hope for Austin Mack too. I'm a big Austin Mack guy. Yeah. Could be a roster clocker though. That sucks. Potentially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the last guy on this list over me is Kenny Minchie, who I'm like struggling with. Cause I really thought Sam Hartman would take over this, this team and just really take off with it. And you mentioned too, they just seem to want to run the rock. 
there yeah. for Notre Dame. So Kenny Minch is on this list for me. All three of these guys have like flirted between like QB 12 to QB like eight or nine, probably. Uh, I'm interested in seeing what happens. Transfer portal stuff. Um, I don't have much I'll say about Kenny Minchie. I don't. Yeah, I, I think Kenny Minchie, his biggest competition as of right now is going to be CJ Carr, the true freshman coming in. And that's not a guy that our receiving team likes. So they are another team that's going to be battling for a transfer quarterback like some of these other top teams that we're, we're talking about are. So I don't know if they get stuck holding the bag and they don't get to bring in a transfer. But even if they don't, I do like Kenny Minchie. I think he can run that offense pretty well. And he has some traits uh, that could play on Sunday. So I like Kenny Minchie. I'm going with our last question for the day, guys. Colin, are there like any guys across any position group that were like off your radar that you find are just like must adds in the upcoming supplemental season? Um, if you're talking the supplementals for C2C, there's one name that we haven't mentioned so far. I mean, we talked about Eric Singleton, Tyler Brown. Those guys could definitely be available. Wait, let's say it together on three. One, one two, two, three. three. JC London Brown. Humphreys. Uh, JC Brown. <laughs> <laughs> um my guy is uh is london humphreys the wide receiver for vanderbilt uh 6'3 186 and this dude is a burner um he had he ran a 10 600 meter in high school uh he set he was a state champ as a sophomore in high school with the long jump uh 24 feet um so you know this is an athlete and you're kind of seeing it already where he's an A dot of 19.2. Pretty sure he leads the country in A dot. It's ridiculous. He has 200 yard games um, on the year already against Wake and UNLV. If you're talking from a T2C perspective, I think you have to put London Humphreys on your radar. Is he going to be an NFL guy? I don't know. Probably not. But when you're 6'3, 186, and you are that type of an athlete, like, and you can win downfield the way that he's winning. I don't know. I'm not going to rule it out. I could potentially see like a, a sixth, seventh round pick, you know? So I think he's the guy who was totally off my radar before, uh, but I'm mildly interested now, but definitely for supplementals. I think that's a fine projection too. Cause that's where I have Will Shepard going. Like I have him as a late okay. day three guy, just tall jump guy, you know, AT Perry, like just tall jump ball type guy, you know? Um, Who's your guy though? I know you're dying to talk about him. Yeah, dude. I discovered him last night. I'm always up at 12 a.m. <laughs> JC Brown, a uh, true freshman year for Kansas State, was a two-way player last year. Three-star, like wide receiver 195 uh, out of Florida. He played in like 3A conference or whatever. Something not not good. Anyway, uh, as a receiver, 48 pass uh, completions for 925 yards and 12 touchdowns. Carried the ball for 19 yards, another score. On defense, had 10 interceptions uh, and it broke up another seven passes as well. Like he... Looked like a baller, even though it was like lower level stuff. Now on the field here for college, he played against TCU, which is just, I mean, they're a free square. They're basically the Broncos of uh, Power 5 football right now. Uh, they've been terrible. So he went four out of six for 88 yards and a touchdown, but his footwork was just so fast. Like, I'm just like, that's so unfair. How do they compete against that? Like, it really made me reminiscent of like Zay Flowers. Like, I, I didn't know about Zay Flowers, like other skill set but I really knew that he had really good feet. So I, I think like Jace Brown, again, small, he's six foot, like 165. I said, I think he's actually listed at 6'11", 5'11", 5'11", 165. But his footwork is just quick. And it's a guy that I'm going to be watching like diligently. Like I, I've been waiting for a guy to come up in this KSU passing offense. I thought it was going to be Keegan Johnson. I don't 
know all the behind the scenes stuff with that hurt. He's still hurt. Um, but like JC Brown has the footwork that you want out of like a, a route runner in the NFL. So you can keep an eye on that. JC Brown, not a guy on my radar at all. I was a big Keegan Johnson guy though. I was with you there. So disappointing yeah. to see him not out there, but um, yeah, that is not a name that I had heard before with Brown, but you know, could be a, could be an early contender for a Mike misfit. He's going to be the very first one. He's a new, he's a new batch. There we go. First one, the new batch, hundred percent. I'm all, I'm not all in, but I'm, I'm in. I ranked him last night, which I was, you had him by the way, on the player pool. He was in there. Mm-hmm. I was pretty pumped about that. I was like, oh, okay. he's in there. He, it wasn't me. Uh, he must've just been in the database that pulled in. Okay. Yeah. I know. We, Cause we know we had a request like Tyler Brown, which I think it's just so funny. We look yeah. at it like now. Um, anyway. Yeah. JC Brown, you guys go check him out. KSU. He has like a hundred yards on the season already. Only like 20 snaps played, but again, he's targeting when he's out there. Oh, and also his sister is Brittany Brown, FSU based basketball player from 2013, 2017. And his okay. dad is Don Brown who played baseball for Cincinnati Reds or got selected okay. by them in the draft at least comes from i don't care about bloodlines some people do but anyway guys that that wraps it up colin thank you for joining me the uh the better half of campus life ah, thank you good yeah. glad to join the better half of back to debbie <laughs> and just two better halves right here <laughs> we make a better whole yeah. i think i think uh cory and, and austin they can go do their own show yeah dude they're giggling a lot when they're talking to each other they're a little yeah. sus i don't know yeah but anyway guys from uh from mike and from colin Good night and good luck.